We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, December 28th edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek's out today. Joe Bartle and I are going to catch you up on the last minute news, notes, etc. We're starting to record this a little after 2.30 Eastern on Friday, so we got a bunch of the injury information in yet, but not all of it. Joe, this is our, uh, this is our last show of the season. That is that is true, yeah, uh, and I'm glad I could join you for it. Normally, I'm I'm just filling in for Derek, uh, but we've had some we've had some fun in the past, and I'm happy to be on the podcast again. Yeah, to be honest, Derek's dead weight, so I'm glad you're here. <laughs> it's, just, it's been it's been a grind, you know, trying to carry that guy on my back for the whole year. So I'm glad you're I'm I'm, I'm glad you're uh, subbing in for the last show. We go out on a high note. Well, I'm just disappointed I missed out uh, on the podcast following Mike McCarthy's firing. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a joyous occasion. Like we would have had streamers going on and everything else, and I, I don't get to be a part of that. the The emotion has left after that uh, cathartic firing. It's so funny. I I tell so many people I know because people around the country, and by the way, I don't think Derek's dead weighted, but just to clarify, um, people around the country have this perception, like not everybody people who watch football very closely, especially the people who, you know, people who watch tape, things like that. 
they've kind of all they they were on board with the you know the Packers offense was simplistic and he might have been holding Rodgers back to an extent and all that stuff. You're sort of casual fan and your casual watcher in national media maybe thinks the Packers were rather, oh, this guy won a Super Bowl and he's won tons of games. How could they fire him? And it was funny because whenever I saw someone say that when McCarthy got fired, I thought of you guys, all of you guys in, in Madison. And I always tell people, I'm like, I know four or five guys who I work with who are diehard Packers fans and watch football for a living, and they detest Mike McCarthy. Like I was trying to explain to them, you know, this whole thing. Oh, McCarthy got a raw deal and Rodgers killed him. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, the Rodney Harrisons and Bill Polians of the world were really staunchly against the Packers firing yeah. Mike McCarthy. And generally speaking, whenever those guys are on one side, I really, really want to be on the other side of it. So I was pretty happy to hear the outcry from some of the national media that Mike McCarthy was done uh, bad. You know, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand why. And it was surprising to me to see the Packers of all teams fire a coach midseason, but they should have fired the coach two seasons ago. So I wasn't really that upset about it. And I thought both the Packers and McCarthy handled things respectively afterwards. So yep. now now the conversation becomes who are we bring on? And that's what I'm interested in, and that's what I'm kind of following more. And uh, I'll be honest, some of the names that have been talked about have been a little bit nerve-wracking for me, and I know I'm a little bit different than a lot of people in the office here. Like, they want the new, young, up-and-coming coach, uh, and I'm not necessarily on board with that thought process. So we'll kind of see how the things unfold as the offseason progresses. Yeah, I, I've, I've never been in a camp of – Look, we all we all like, let's say, Sean McVay, right? Yes. But I'm not in a camp of, well, it needs to be an offensive or a defensive coach, no matter what the structure of my team. I need a head coach. I need a head coach who's going to hire the right coordinators and have a general philosophy and be open. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it needs to be the play caller that's the head coach necessarily. No, and I, I've for a long time thought we need a defensive-minded guy, but now I'm kind of just trending more towards leadership. Like, if uh, John Harbaugh had been fired from the, the Ravens, I would have been really interested in acquiring him. Like, I thought that that kind of person, that kind of leader is what the Packers franchise has gravitated towards for a while. And I don't think we need the McDaniels of the world. I don't think we need uh, Lincoln Kelly, uh, the Nebraska guy. I always forget his name. I might have said right. Oh, Lincoln Riley. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think we have to go that direction. And of course, it would be great if there are a million Sean McVeighs around, but they're not. So finding the guy that fits best, not just for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, but really for the franchise and what I think Green Bay represents in the NFL and also the community is probably more important to me than saying, oh, we need to get an offensive guy or we need to get a defensive guy. Yep. All right. So let's get on to week 17 here. Um, right now, the Saints and the Cowboys are the only two teams who literally cannot move anywhere in their playoff seating. They're the only two playoff teams who are locked in. The Saints are NFC number one. The Cowboys are NFC number four. No matter what happens to them on Sunday, they can't move. There are other teams that can move a little, and some people think they might rest people anyway. For instance, the Seahawks. The Seahawks are right now NFC number five, but if they lose to the the Cardinals, that's probably not going to happen. If they lose to the Cardinals, and if the Vikings win, then the Seahawks become NFC number six. So, you know... There's an argument to be made that maybe they won't care. It sounds like the Bears might rest people. I think part of it is Allen Robinson's hurt. He's listed as doubtful. And there's talk that they're going to sit him. And some people are taking that as an indication that the Bears are going to rest people, even though they could theoretically jump from three to two in the NFC, which is a big deal. I mean, Matt Nagy got asked early in the week if they were going to rest people. And he basically said, look, I would love to, but I don't 
think I have that luxury because we can make a big move if things go right. I mean, they need help. They need to win against the Vikings and they need the Rams to lose to the 49ers, which unlikely when with the Rams playing at home. But do you think the Bears are like, how do you think this maybe shakes out? Do you maybe think they're scoreboard watching and they act accordingly? Do you think they play to win? Do you think they kind of rest thinking they're probably going to play next week? Like, how do you think they're going to approach that? Well, a couple of these guys are doubtful. Like Allen Robinson probably isn't going to play because he's listed as doubtful. And I think that's the biggest name that you have to kind of monitor in terms of fantasy. I'm not 100% positive I would have wanted to start a healthy Allen Robinson against the Vikings anyway. Like I think uh, that that would be not the greatest matchup to target. And he's been a guy that's been fluctuating between eh and okay and really bad. Like there hasn't been that many outstanding performances from Allen Robinson. Like he's probably a flex option on your team right now if you're playing in week 17 and certainly not somebody I'd consider DFS-wise anyway. So like I, I understand the intrigue that comes with it. Certainly the bears have a chance of getting the number two seed. I don't think that's going to happen. I really believe the Rams are probably going to walk away at the victory against the 49ers. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. And I don't think the Seahawks really are going to have much. Like I, I honestly think the Seahawks backups could probably beat the Cardinals. Like they just have no offense. It just none whatsoever. And I could see Larry Fitzgerald being a DFS play this week just because it's his last game. So why not throw it to him 14 times? But that's not going to be really influencing my decision if the Seahawks win or lose or not. So I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not too worried. I think the Bears probably are in the number, number three seed, whether they play people or not. All right. It's funny. Derek and I had that conversation yesterday. I think I said 15 targets and not 14 for Fitz. So we're, uh, we, you and I are on the same wavelength here. Yeah, and I might take the over on that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what the, the gambling line is for, but if the, someone said 14 targets for Fitzgerald, I'd probably take the over. Why not? Like, there's That's the only good thing that you have going. You don't want to have Rosen killed. And you would prefer to have David Johnson not break another wrist. Those are the only two things you want to come out of this game besides Larry Fitzgerald having a good game, right? Right. All right. So other teams, just, just to recap, we talked about this a bunch on Thursday's show. But we're going to recap. The Patriots are right now ASC number two. If they lose, they could get leapfrogged by the Texans. You would think they're going to play to win. Now, all these teams, remember, we think the Patriots will play to win. However... All these teams, if if you're in the middle of the third quarter, and let's say you're up 27 to three, you might see these teams sit people. It's possible. If you were still playing week 17, this is this is the the path you've chosen with with a lot of uncertainty. Um, oh yeah, the Ravens. I mean, Ravens are all in because they have to. They could miss the playoffs if they lose, and they're playing the Browns, so it's not a pushover. So just you know, you got to think they're playing. Same for the Steelers, um, the Texans. The, the Texans playing home against the Jags. The Texans could leapfrog the Patriots. They probably stay number three in the AFC with a win. They could they could drop to number six. Okay. So, I mean, if they lose, either the Titans or the Colts pass them with a win. Win a tiebreaker. So the Titans, you got to think, are all in. Chiefs Chargers. Remember, these teams play at the same time. Chiefs clinch number one seed overall with a win in the AFC. Chargers could get number one if they win and the Chiefs lose, but the Chiefs are playing the Raiders at home. Probably not going to lose. Another one, you think if the Chargers are scoreboard watching and the Chiefs are up, you know, 30 to 7 in the third quarter, maybe Melvin Gordon, maybe Philip Rivers, maybe Keenan Allen, guys like that, Joey Boza on the other side, whoever, maybe sit down. Okay? You got to think it's possible. Cowboys, don't trust the cow. If you start a Cowboy, you're crazy, no matter what Jerry Jones says. Right? Oh, 100%, yes. Yeah, because they've been through this before, and they said, oh, we're not benching anybody, and they bench people. 
two years ago they did this. Dak played two series. Ezekiel Elliott played none. So, and this was in a game where they said, well, we got the number one seed, but we, we don't believe in this stuff, and we're going to have two weeks off, and we want momentum. And they benched the guys. Um, Bears playing the Vikings again. The Bears are probably num- they're number three if they lose in the NFC. They could get to number two if the Rams lose. Rams probably won't. You could see the Bears resting people for sure. Vikings got to win. Saints, don't play a Saint. Don't play a good Saint. Don't play Kamara. Don't play Ingram. Don't play Breeze. Don't play Michael Thomas. Just get it out of your head because they're probably going to rest people. If Drew Brees gets declared inactive at 1130 on Sunday morning, we'll be here to say we told you so. Uh, finally, the Rams. Uh, we talked about the okay, the two teams. The Rams, if they win, they get number two in the NFC. If they lose, they could get passed by the Bears if the Bears win. Um, Rams are home to the Niners. Probably won't lose. But also, we think they will be extra cautious with Todd Gurley, who we will talk about in a second. Finally, the Seahawks. Seahawks are number five. They could drop to number six in the NFC. That would be the difference between going to Chicago and going to Dallas. I don't know about you. I'd rather go to Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the cold weather or rainy weather or whatever ends up being in Chicago. I agree with you. I think that I would rather go to Dallas. And I I just don't – I'm not a huge fan of the Bears. I've been – uh, pessimistic of their team throughout much of the season. And of course they've proven me wrong. I wanted to make sure that wasn't my Packers bias and I've watched enough of their games to know that's, that's just not it. Like I, I don't think their offense is that good. And I think a lot of people are over, over exaggerating how good, uh, Matt Nagy has been for that team. Uh, I don't really believe that their skill position players can win you many games. I, I think that their, their goal is to not lose the game, on defense and they've had to carry that offense for a long time. And I think if they went against a team like the saints or Rams, uh, and I know the Rams lost the bears earlier this season, well, a couple of weeks ago, I, I still feel confident that those two teams are better offensively and just enough defensively to handle that team. So yeah, I, I would rather play the Cowboys. Uh, even, even saying all that though, I, I just don't think that team is consistent enough um, to really pose much of a problem for some of these wildcard teams, frankly, in the NFC. All right. Um, and by the way, as we're, <clears throat> as we're talking here, breaking news, which you'll probably know by the time you listen to this, uh, Sean Payton announced that Teddy Bridgewater will start a quarterback on Sunday. So it is a fish official that your jury is going to be basically in bubble wrap on the sidelines and, you know, well-deserved. So if you're playing week 17, you have Drew find another quarterback. Um, next up, um, Let's talk about injuries before uh, before that. Sorry. Um, we, we're going to – on Twitter, if you need to catch us, um, you're JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Yes. I'm at jhalpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. All right. Let's talk injuries because injuries this week, like we said, teams might be extra cautious. Uh, you definitely need to worry uh, if you have some of these guys and they're on a playoff team that you know might not – be able to do much to their standing. Um, all right, out for now. Odell Beckham Jr. out. Philip Lindsay, as you know, out. Leonard Fournette doubtful. All right, let's let's sorry, let's back up a little bit. Odell Beckham Jr. out. Do you think is this? And the Cowboys are resting people most likely. Do you like Evan Engram a lot? Do you like Sterling Shepard a lot? Or do you think, as I do, that we could be looking at? a 200-yard day for Saquon Barkley. Oh, I think it's Barkley all the way. And it's, I don't know. I I, I think it it depends on different franchises. But to me, the Giants being as big a media market as they are, wouldn't it benefit them to make sure Barkley got the Rookie of the Year award this year? 
Yeah, he could get the rushing title. 237 yards, he can get the rushing title. Right. Like, I just, like, why wouldn't they force feed in the ball? Like, I understand that's a term that I would use more in a Madden league than when it comes to NFL franchises. But at this point, the only good thing that they have going for them is Saquon Barkley. And I, I really believe that for them, like, there's a real chance he could lose that award to Baker Mayfield. And, of course, Cleveland would love that, too. Like, they would love to trumpet the Rookie of the Year quarterback for next season. But I think uh, Saquon Barkley makes a lot of sense to force feed the ball. I feel Evan Ingram probably could do pretty well. I don't feel great about uh, Sterling Shepard. Like, you probably have to start him if you're playing a Week 17 championship. Right. So I, I don't feel like you can really bench him. Um, and even for as low price he's going for on DFS, I understand why you'd go that route. But to me, I'm paying everything I possibly can to get a guy like Saquon Barkley into my lineup or in my fantasy lineup, whether it be whatever I can do. Like I just, I, I feel really confident that they're going to force feed him the ball in any possible way. All right. Philip Lindsay is out with a wrist injury. He got hurt last week. Broncos host the Chargers. Royce Freeman. Play. Royce Freeman's 44% owned on Yahoo, so no lock that you can get him because a lot of people had him from the beginning and never cut him, basically. But how much do you think... I mean, Devontae Booker's there, and he plays on passing downs. Give, give me a ballpark. All right, over under 14.5 carries for Royce Freeman. I think I go over. Okay. Can we, can we do... Can we do touches? Can we do sure. over 14, 14 and a half touches? Can I say over? Like, I understand Booker probably plays a part in the receiving game more than Freeman, but the Chargers defense can be had when it comes to those short and intermediate, intermediate routes. And I really believe that you could kind of throw a check down, even if it's, you know, a two or three yard play to Freeman. I believe he probably gets over 15 touches this game. And I feel okay about using him. We've, we actually had the, like the last time we were on the podcast, we discussed Devonte Booker as a possible option. If you had to use him and he ended up doing all right. I feel confident that Freeman and Booker probably are okay plays. Maybe not the greatest of plays given everybody that's going to be out or potentially out, uh, come Sunday, but I think they will be okay plays if you have to rely on them for this championship weekend. Okay. Leonard Fournette listed as doubtful for the Jags going to Houston. So, um, Okay, weirdness here. TJ Yeldon was a healthy scratch last week. So, I mean, a month ago, if we heard Fournette out, we would have said, oh, nice little split between Yeldon and Hyde, and Yeldon catches the ball, so great. I like Yeldon. Now, nah. <laughs> None of that. Um, Hyde's probably it. They looked at David Williams a little bit, I think, the week before last. Like, what do you do? Do you just avoid this altogether? Yeah, I, I'm I'm staying away from this one. And the Texans' defense is pretty good, too. Like, it's not one that you'd really want, want to go target a matchup as opposed to maybe the Jets uh, or even the Giants to some, extent to, to some extent, too. Like, if you're going to use some of those backup guys, I don't feel good about this at all. And you would think that they would want to showcase Hyde, say he gets a contract, and then I think they would be able to get uh, some sort of compensatory pick out of it if Hyde were to sign a big deal. So you would assume that they would want to highlight a guy like that. But then again... You're right. They used David Williams uh, the previous week, too, and they had talked about using him this past week, and they never really did. I, I don't I don't understand what they're doing. I'm really I'm really wary of the Jacksonville offense as a whole. I'm staying as far away from this as possible. Okay. Allen Robinson doubtful like we talked about. Matt Breida and Dante Pettis out for the Niners. Um, so you're going to see Jeff Wilson in the backfield again. Tyler Boyd on injured reserve officially for the Bengals. So there's a whole lot of nothing in their receiving core. CJ Uzoma, maybe John Ross. John Ross always catches. It's so funny to me that John Ross is the 
one of the fastest people anywhere, and he keeps catching these like four yard touchdowns. I don't. Oh, okay. All right. I need I need a vent because I haven't talked to about it with anybody else. Yeah. Vegas League Finals. I'm going against ESPN's Andre uh, Snellings. His team got auto-drafted for the first four or five rounds because he was unable to make the draft. Okay, cool, fine. We are in the championship. I have a pretty good lineup. I got the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, who I trade David Johnson away for earlier in the season. I have the god that is Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback. I felt okay about my running backs. I had Nick Chubb as one option. Carry on Johnson's season-ending injury left me with somebody to kind of rotate between. So I had the likes of Alfred Blue, Doug Martin. Uh, I had picked up John Kelly as an option potentially, and I had thought about whatever running back could start for the Bills during Week 16 as an option for that. I had Juju Smith-Schuster as my wide receiver, Elshon Jeffrey. I felt really good entering this matchup. Of course, John Ross catches a touchdown as his only catch, Mm. only catch of the game. Of course, John Ross gets the touchdown. Sure, why not? And I'm still entering Monday's game up eight points despite all the fact that I had some of those guys that I mentioned earlier, DeAndre Hopkins and Juju Smith-Schuster. His fumble, of course, killed me. Uh, those guys didn't do as well as I would have thought. I'm still up eight points entering Monday. He has Jared Cook, Deshaun Hamilton, and the Broncos defense. How many points did they put together combined? The three of them, nine. <laughs> Thanks to Sean Hamilton for that touchdown catch. That meant nothing meant nothing but it meant everything to me and this horrible fantasy season i've had that was the one chance i had at a championship and that's gone thanks john ross thanks to sean hamilton and andre stelling's crappy fantasy team great i i love fantasy football and the vegas second place finish that i'll have yet again <laughs> sorry man that's a rough, i'm done that's, yeah, a that's good i had to get it out thank I, you I, I, you know this is this is what we're here for <laughs> you know we're here to let people vent to, to ask questions, to get help in many, many ways in fantasy football. So I hope that that venting session provided that for you. I know nobody wants to hear about anybody else's fantasy teams except for us, uh, right. but I, I felt like I had to share that. I'm one of the people, and of course, I'm not normally on this podcast, so I feel like I can have free reigns when it comes to venting because there's no repercussions. That's okay. Derek's coming back uh, next season. It's all good. <laughs> so John Ross, you know, and l- lest you all think I'm kidding about all the four-yard touchdowns, John Ross for the season, 20 receptions, 209 yards receiving, seven touchdowns. I don't, I don't understand. That, I don't that's understand. ridiculous. It's really I, I, like, ridiculous. I think John Ross is actually a pretty good receiver. Like We all talk about his, uh, his 40 speed. I get it. I, I actually think he'll be okay if the Bengals let him be okay as a receiver that's not just a deep threat. Like He can do more than that, and the evidence that he has, at least in the red zone, should be be able to tell you that he can run shorter routes other than like he can do that stuff as well. I, I understand. Like I, I think next year I would feel confident taking John Ross in the back end kind of player, much like what we thought he would be this year. Yeah. Like I, I feel good that he'll be able to do that. Like maybe if Andy Dalton doesn't come back, like there's some situation where you'd be worried about it, but uh, AJ green is going to do AJ green stuff. He's been a little bit entry prone these last couple of years. There has to be a second receiver. Tyler Boyd ended up being that guy. I wonder if John Ross could be the third receiver in a, a rejuvenated Bengals offense next year. I feel okay about uh, using him as a late-round pick. All right. The last guy I want to mention on the out list is a bigger deal than you would think. Yes. Ryan Kelly, center for the Colts. So I don't have the stat handy. I read one a couple of weeks ago when he was hurting that said, I, I think it was – they're averaging 4.9 yards a carry with Kelly on the field and 3.5 without. 
And like I said, I wish I, I will try to find it and retweet it later and see if I can update it. But he's good. It, it, oh, it doesn't surprise me. I actually have a friend uh, in the Colts organization, and he talked at the beginning of the year how he liked the running backs, but in particular liked the offensive line and what they're building. I, I and I Brian Kelly was the guy he, he highlighted. It's the reason why I was really high on Marlon Mack entering the season, and he really has done well. Um, really past week six on, like he's been a fantasy relevant guy and something you depend on in your lineups. That offensive line is making Marlon Mack and company better than I thought they would be. Like I, I thought Marlon Mack would be talented enough as a running back. I don't know if that's the case. I, like if you put him on the Packers, I don't know if he'd be as good as what we saw Aaron Jones would do. Right. Uh, that offense line is really good and really is revolved around Ryan Kelly. That being said, I think they have to kind of rely on Marlon Mack to move the ball because I'm not sure Andrew Luck is going to have as great of a passing game as we've seen in past weeks. This game, I feel like from what I've seen today – I feel like everybody, it's because of the uncertainty around Mariota. Everybody's on the Colts. Everybody. Like, it is overwhelming that people are just leaning Colts on this game. And I'm, I'm starting to recoil away from it now. You know, with the Kelly situation and Mariota, we'll talk about him in a minute. You know, think the outlook seems to be improving a little bit. Titans are at home. Their defense is still good. Like, look, I, I keep saying I am past the point where I know in any given week what the Titans are going to do. Because every week they are the most confounding team in the league to me. I can never, I can't figure them out. All year I'm going, all right, now I got them figured. And then they do the opposite. With that said, a lot of, just watch, a lot of people are on the Colts. The spread moved from two and a half to three and a half um, in favor of the Ty- Colts on the road. Like I just, I, I, I'm starting to think the Titans are, are in a good spot here. I just think the Colts are the better team. Like, and they have been the better Maybe. team for week four on. I, I don't, I understand like the Titans beat the Patriots in that one really weird week, but more often than not, they've been really bad uh, and or just inconsistent. Derrick Henry has been far and away their best player, and he's really only played four weeks. Like, Frank, like let's be completely honest. He's only They've only recently started to use him. God knows why they've decided to only recently use him, but here it is. Look at what you can do with a guy that runs, you know, 4-3-4 or whatever, and he's 240 pounds. I... I I don't know. I think that you can game plan for one player easier easier than you can game plan for one quarterback. Right. And that one player they're game planning for the Colts are is Derrick Henry. I think Corey Davis is good, but he's not going to be able to be good enough with a limited Mariota or Blaine Gabbert. And I really believe that Andrew Luck is going to be able to carry that team. And I know the Titans defense is good, but I think the Colts defense is kind of sneaky good as well, too. Like I think I they're too. pretty close um, where I'll just take the transcendent quarterback over the guy that's injured all the time. Uh, I think it's the Colts all the way. All right. Other players who are uh, non-fantasy guys like Kelly. Denzel Ward out with a concussion for the Browns. Uh, Mo Claiborne out for the Jets. Um, Josh Lambeau out again for the Jags. So Kai Forbath kicks. Chris Boswell on injured reserve from the Steelers. Steelers fans cheering everywhere. Matt McCrane replaces him. All right. Now the questionable list, and it is extensive. Um Todd Gurley was not spotted at the open portion of practice on Friday. I'm sure we'll hear more later from the Rams. Uh, I think we're going to be waiting until Sunday on Todd Gurley. Julio Jones, similar. Let me see if we got anything new on Julio. Um, Because right now, like I said, I'm talking at about 3 o'clock Eastern on Friday. And they've been sort of managing Julio's workload during the week, which they did during the game last week. Julio does not have an injury designation, so it sounds like he's ready to go. Tevin Coleman... So the Falcons are in. Sorry, everybody. We're learning this um, because we're doing it Friday afternoon. So Tevin Coleman does not have an injury designation also. So he's going to play. That's kind of a surprise for me. Um, Mariota, 
one of the beat writers said today that when he saw him on the field, he, he basically, without putting words in his mouth, he basically said he saw a guy who looked like he was going to play. And Vrabel said later, you know, we'll see how things go, which is what coaches say. But um, sounds like Mariota's in. Antonio Brown now is having an issue. He didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday. We all kind of thought, ah, you know, what? based on what you read, eh, he's probably fine. Slated to undergo tests to determine the cause of his knee discomfort, according to their beat writer from ESPN.com. This is on his RotoWire player page. So we're going to have to watch. You own Antonio Brown for Week 17. You're going to have to keep a close eye on him. Oh, who else? Deshaun Jackson doesn't sound good. T.Y. Hilton doesn't ever practice anymore, but he usually plays, so I'm not too worried about that. Eric Ebron still in the concussion protocol. Is that right, we think? I think so. All right. And I know I'm rambling a lot now and not letting Joe talk. I'm just trying to get rid of the injury news. Um Ebron has not gained clearance from an independent neurologist. That is the last step. They, right, Frank Reich says they're optimistic, but we don't know what's going to happen. Again, Titans, 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 everybody. Um, Marquise Goodwin, we're not sure about. Xavier Howard, listen, is questionable for the Dolphins. It hasn't, I don't think he's practiced much this week. There was some talk about shutting him down. If Xavier Howard doesn't play, look, this is a meaningless game. Bill's Dolphins is meaningless. Could you get on the how wholeheartedly could you get on the Robert Foster or Zay Jones trains if there's no Xavier Howard and you think the Bills might come up with a big effort in the finale at home? Tepidly, <laughs> can I can I get on a train tepidly? You can like get on I, a train tepidly. Perfect, and that's what I'm going to sign up for. I, I like Foster as a uh, tournament kind of play in DFS, and I think you've had to use him a couple weeks if you got to this point in terms of you know uh, just standard fantasy. But I don't. I don't want to have anybody in the Bills offense. I don't I don't want to do it. I, why put yourself through misery and pain? Because that's what you do when you watch the Bills play an NFL football game this season. You hate yourself more every single minute that you're out there watching it. I just don't I don't feel good about relying on Foster or Jones or McCoy, Josh Allen, who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit too. Like I just don't I don't want to do that to myself. I, I deserve better. Like this is <laughs> I, I just like I, I got over a big breakup. I deserve better than having to rely on the Bills for fantasy purposes. Fair enough. Um, guys who are back from injury: James Conner looks like he's going to play. Lamar Miller's good to go, according to the Texans. Spencer Ware has been practicing fully. You might see sort of a share there between him and Damian Williams. Do you think Conner and uh, Jalen Samuels are going to split time, or do you think Conner kind of gets the ball back? I think they probably give Connor the ball back, which is a shame because I liked what Samuels was doing the past two weeks. And yep. I've been a big fan of Connor and Samuels individually when they entered the league. And of course, they wound up on the same team behind Le'Veon Bell. So it didn't feel like either of them would be able to showcase their skill set. And thankfully, I guess for those two players, they were able to this season. But I'm not sure what really their future holds because they both, I really believe, could be starting running backs in the NFL. But I don't know to what extent the Steelers will allow them. So I would imagine they're going to go back to James Conner, but uh, I guess I don't know. Like I, If you had James Conner for Week 17 championship, would you feel confident starting him? Like You got to this point in the fantasy year because of James Conner, but I almost feel like I don't know what I can expect out of the Steelers' offense, even if Antonio Brown is active or not. I would start James Con- against the. I, I know there's a risk, but against the Bengals, I would be ready to start James Conner. I feel like you have to. Yeah. I feel like you'd be overthinking it if you didn't, but that's probably what we're here to do. And that's why you're listening to the podcast is because you probably are overthinking some lineup decisions. We all overthink. Absolutely. Um, Hey, Joe. So I think you answered this already. Was your fantasy football season a bust? 
Yes. <laughs> yes, it was a buzz. Do you want a shot Absolutely. at redemption? <laughs> Do you? Do you want a shot at redemption? I, I would prefer a shot at redemption, yes, but I, I don't feel optimistic, frankly, about how I've been doing things. But maybe maybe I'll have a better chance. All right. Well, fantasypostseason.com is your home for playoff fantasy sports. Fantasy postseason has exclusive games and content for postseason football. Our leagues are just starting up when the real games mean the most. With all the features you expect in season-long leagues, Fantasy Postseason provides additional options and gameplay exclusive to the playoffs. You can set up large or small pools, head-to-head leagues, salary cap formats, and more. Fantasy Postseason offers live, auto, and offline drafting formats. Just pick the options that are right for you and your friends, set up your customized scoring, and get ready to dominate in the playoffs. Use code ROTOWIRE for 10% off your league. FantasyPostseason.com is where the action is when the playoffs start. Join now and use code ROTOWIRE to receive 10% off your league. That's FantasyPostseason.com when the games matter most for you, for Joe, for everybody. All right, let's get to more stuff. Plug and place. Interesting plug and place because, I mean, Cooper Rush. Would you plug and play Cooper Rush? <laughs> you believe I'm asking Yeah, that? woo. <laughs> no. The answer is no, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what could we be thinking if we were going to do that? That's overthinking. Yes, yes. No, I, I, I agree. I think that would probably be overthinking things. Uh, what, what about... Like, what about the Falcons' defense? Um, against Jameis. Against Jameis, yeah. Like, nah. I just, I there's there's turnover potential, obviously, and that's kind of what you're hoping for because they haven't been able to get to the quarterback much. Um, but I that just feels like a fluky, high scoring game where you either get a special teams touchdown or a defense touchdown. That's what you're looking for when you're looking for a streaming defense. That that would be where if you didn't want to go the Bills Dolphins, which I understand could be another area to target. I wonder if Jameis Winston, who's been very reliable in the interception category all season long, might benefit Falcons defense. What about, what about the Giants defense against Cooper Rush? Uh, against a bunch of Dallas second stringers, Rod Smith. Yeah. You just, you know, Zach Martin's not going to play. Tyron Smith, who the heck knows, they might sit him. I don't know. If you told me for certain like today that they would not play any of their starters. Yeah. I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I just don't feel like the giants have a lot really to offer on the defensive end. Like I, they've That's been either hurt by injuries or just huge contracts that haven't really paid out. I don't, I, I don't know. I, 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 if you told me for certain Cooper rush was going to be the starting quarterback come Sunday. Yes. But right now, as we're doing this podcast Friday, I actually think I would lean towards the Falcons defense because I know that I'm going to get at least two interceptions from Winston. What about the Bills defense at home versus uh, Tannehill and the Dolphins? I'm looking at our weather report right now on RotoWare. I'm always a company man, so I'll be plugging that every time I get on the daily lineups section. And it says 3% chance of snow. However, 15% or 50, 15 mile power winds. That would seem to benefit the Bills defense, right? Like I, I would imagine the Dolphins uh, would be uncomfortable in that kind of weather and certainly could get worse as it gets closer to Sunday. So, yeah, I feel okay about that. Um, I actually think they have some skill position players that could be explosive, whether it is Kenny Stills or Bellage, if they ever decide to use him at some point uh, in Week 17. And Tannehill isn't as bad of a quarterback as you have the option to be playing against, like the Cooper Rushes of the world. Uh, so I don't know if I'd feel that great about it. I feel like this question is going to be better asked Sunday when we have more information as to who will be sitting and starting. Fair enough. Um, by the way, speaking of fantasy weather, I know you're being a company man and you should, people should check the RotoWire weather pages. 
Also, your addition, your best fantasy resource beyond that. Did you know that Brad Evans from Yahoo studied meteorology in college? I had no idea that, yep. that he did that. So basically, I mean, like the hardcore was going to be a meteorologist. And, you know, so now I'm basically I'm like, okay, I don't need to hunt around for, you know, fantasy football weather and search on Twitter and find random people. I mean, there's another guy who, who does some DFS stuff named Kevin Roth, who does a good job. But, um, but Brad is, I mean, Brad's one of us basically, and he was a meteorologist. So Brad Evans chose to start in a field where he was going to be right 30% of the time in meteorology (laughs) and transition to a field where he's going to be right 30% of the time in terms of fantasy, right? We're right. We're right. We're in 30% of the time. Come on, man. What are you kidding? I'm I'm at least 98. At least 98. (laughs) Totally. I'll give you one other streaming defense. What about the Saints? Like, unless Christian McCaffrey is literally throwing passes to himself, I don't know what Kyle Allen's going to be doing uh, offensively for the Panthers. And I just don't, like that team just seems dumb. Like they're ready to get past Ron Rivera more than Packer fans are ready to get past Mike McCarthy. Mm. I, I, I wonder if maybe they could get an interception or fumble or sack or something, and it ends up being okay. Well, the problem here is this. Well, the Saints are fifty-one percent owned, so you might be able to get them. Um, True. Yeah. So, so that's it. Yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know about the Ron Rivera. I don't think the Ron Rivera thing is a done deal. You think Ron Rivera is coming back? I think it's possible. But, wow. I think I think it's a fifty-fifty shot right now. Oh, I feel really bad for Panthers fans if that's the case. You know, I'm not. I'm not a hater on him. Like I don't. I just don't know what the owner's thinking right now. Okay, he's a new that's owner, a- and I don't know what he. And, and I don't know if he wants to put his own stamp on things or not. But I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think this one could go either way. Really, I like Rivera as a person. Um, as a coach, I don't. I just don't think he's that good. Um, and I don't think he's that good of a defensive guy anymore either. Like if he were to come be head coach for the Packers, I think I'd be disappointed. By a signing like that, but you could do worse than him, which is probably what I'd say about 50% of the NFL coaches right now, which is probably why there's a, a few firings, but not as many as you would anticipate given all the, the bad seasons teams have had. See, I think if he stays in Carolina, Steve Wilkes will come back, assuming Steve Wilkes gets fired, which seems to be the, a foregone conclusion, as what the, as the guy in the Arizona Republic put it. I think Steve Wilkes will come back and take his role back as defensive coordinator. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that would be interesting then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's go to quarterback and see who we can plug and play. If you have, if you go. Oh no, I had Dak. Oh no, I had Drew Brees. Put it this way: if you had Drew Brees, you just grab Teddy and plug him in. That's a good question. I guess I don't. What What's the benefit for the Saints doing anything offensively other than just mailing it in? Um, getting Teddy some reps. Okay. I mean, if, and, if, I, if you're asking maybe, me, that's the that's the that's the the only explanation. And maybe drawing a higher market for him too, right? Like he's a free agent this season. Yeah. If a team were to try to sign Teddy, they would get a, a compensatory pick out of it because they traded for him. That was kind of the whole intention and reason why they gave him a third round pick this year to get him, right? Uh, I I think so. I don't know okay, how so the compensatory I, deal works with him, but you're probably right. I, I think of the Matt Flynn situation when the the Packers had clinched, I think it was two or three years ago, uh, in week 17, when they started Matt Flynn. He ended up signing a massive deal with the Seahawks. And of course, Russell Wilson ended up being the starting quarterback over Flynn and Flynn got released, came back, yada, yada, yada. But like that, that could be a reason why the Saints do some things offensively. But can they do things offensively if the likes of Kamara and Michael Thomas and some of those other bigger players are out? And that's where I draw, I have some trepidation. Like I, I don't think... 
I would be comfortable starting Teddy Bridgewater over the likes of maybe a Derek Carr or Nick Foles at this point. Uh, yeah, Carr is 23% owned, and he plays the awful, pitiful Chiefs defense. Um, Foles is 17% owned, plays at Washington. Uh, the other two guys I was going to mention, Josh Allen, are you uh, – look, I, I know what you said about the Bills earlier, but the Josh Allen running thing is, is always a, a, a tantalizing prospect. But what if I could have Lamar Jackson running? Well, I would, feel I would rather have about Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson running. Yeah, if I could get him, but he's harder to get. Yeah, I know. I I, I would no. I'm not going to go the Josh Allen route. Like I said, I can do better. I I, I like myself enough that I don't want to have to rely on a Bills player in Week 17. Okay, <laughs> Lamar Jackson. By the way, 45 percent on on Yahoo. The other one, Sam Darnold. What do you think? Could you do? It? I love Darnold. I thought he was the best quarterback entering this draft. You should not make any judgments about Darnold as a quarterback after watching last week. I it was. I mean, I turned off the announcers after the first quarter of the Packers game because they were just blabbering over how great Darnold was. And I'm like, no, really, really, really need to be focusing on how bad that Packers defense is. Yeah. Uh, they they could make me look good at quarterback, I feel like, at this point. Like, that's just – that. don't look into Week 16 as a reason why Darnold is good or not good. I don't feel great about using him this week. I understand against the Patriots, uh, they've been worse at defense than they have in past years, but I still don't think I would feel comfortable using him. All right. Um, the last what so okay yeah Donald's fourteen percent on I don't know I I I know what you're saying about last week I think the last few weeks he's played pretty well he has so, no um, he has I, I I agree I just don't think he's a guy that I'd target over Derek Carr who's going against the Chiefs defense like who have been bad all season long okay um, next up running backs <sighs> I mean CJ Anderson's pretty high ownership now he's in I think the forties let me see. C.J. Anderson, in case Todd Gurley doesn't play, C.J. Anderson is 47% owned on Yahoo, so that's not an easy get. It's a possible, but not an easy one. Kenneth Dixon, running a lot at home against the Browns. I know he doesn't run more than the other guy does, but they run. They sort of run enough for everybody to get a little piece of it. What's, uh, what's Jeff Wilson's ownership rate? Um, hang on. I'm going to get him right now. Jeff Wilson Jr., 48% on Yahoo. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I feel like we're going to have better options come Sunday than what right. we're talking about right now as to who we could pick up. I don't think John Kelly's a guy I'd want to use. I think it's going to be CJ Anderson, especially after we did last week. And I feel pretty good about Gus Edwards getting most of the carries as opposed to Dixon. Um, maybe a guy like Elijah McGuire or um, Jeff Wilson. But again, those guys are both hovering around that 50% owned rate. So there's an opportunity that they just aren't there. Um, like maybe Zach center. I, I feel like theoretic too. I feel both those guys are getting at least 10 points in fantasy this week. Guaranteed. Um, yeah, like that's, there's not a lot of great options right now, uh, of the people that we know are going to be out for this final week. Okay. Um, yeah. And you wouldn't go digging into the, Hey, what about Rod Smith kind of thing? That's, that's excessive, right? That's um, being too cute. I actually, I see. I would take Rod Smith over at Dixon or Kelly, though. I I would go that direction. I who else are they going to use the ball? And the, they're an NFL franchise. They have to get at least 100 yards, right? I know you talked about how combined 200 potential, or at least 200 for Saquon alone. Like it, there's real possibility for both situations occurring. I I feel okay if Rod Smith got 20 touches that he would get at least 80 yards, and that's okay if you're trying to you know stream a running back. Okay. Um, what about the Saints? Who's the third stringer on the Saints? Uh, I'm gonna, I got, got it coming up right here, buddy. As I say every day, 
I know you all love listening to me research on the internet while I'm doing a podcast. It's fascinating radio or audio. Um, running back. Wow. Is there anybody? Do they have anyone active? Dwayne Washington? Is that it? Wow. That's uh, it. I bet you we'll have some more active people come this Sunday. Yeah, I bet there'll be another one. Uh, unless Ingram's kind of there in case of emergency or something. Anyway, all right. Wide receiver. There's more options here on the low ownership side of things. Yes. Chris Hogan. Remember, we said Mo Claiborne's hurt. Um, not that he's great, but he's a starter. Uh, Hogan's 39% for the Pats. Robert Foster, I mentioned, he's 36. Aguilar's 34. Deshaun Hamilton, don't, who Joe hates, is 33. Don't, I was going to say, don't mention him. Don't do that to me. I'm already getting flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's, it's like a PTSD thing with fantasy yes. football. Yes. Yes. Jameson Crowder. What about Jameson Crowder against the bad Eagles? Uh, I'm intrigued. Secondary. He's 23% owned. And since he's been back, he's been a lot busier. Jameson Crowder in the last handful of weeks is receptions 4-2-4-5. And targets 4-7-4-7. Not great, but not bad. And the Eagles pass defense, very bad. No, I, I feel okay about Jameson Crowder. Um, I like him as opposed to Hamilton or Aglor. I think Ruben Foster, Crowder, and then another guy that we were going to get to, and I'm just going to jump to it right now, I like Kendrick Bourne quite a bit uh, against a Rams secondary that's been kind of porous. They could be benching some people at some point too, and the 49ers have every incentive to run Nick Mullins into the ground as a potential trade candidate during the offseason. Like, this is a situation where I could see them throw – 40 times or something like that, and he gets 350 yards. They have no real incentive to win, but they certainly have incentive to look good while playing against a Rams team. I could see Bourne getting uh, 6 and 110 and a touchdown kind of deal. I, I really feel comfortable if I had to start a receiver that like Kendrick Bourne would be a target. I, I think I'm with you. And he's 1% owned on Yahoo, so if you want him, you got him. Um, Zay Jones, the other guy we didn't mention, 15% ownership. Uh, tight end, CJ Ozoma got a touchdown last week, I think, 32% owned. Ian Thomas, my buddy. Is thirty, and I wonder if Kyle Allen will be uh, a checkdown Charlie to his tight end, um, except when he's not throwing to Christian McCaffrey, which might happen a hundred times. Yeah, so, if you have a checkdown running back, why would you need a checkdown tight end? Yeah, well, they might sit McCaffrey out a little bit. Rivera was hinting the other day that he might. He kind of gave the well, we might want to get a look at some of the young players. Okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, you know, if the season's lost and you can give McCaffrey, you know, only twelve touches instead of twenty-five, maybe you do it. Um, Gerald Everett's 19% owned. Chris Herndon, who is the most unappreciated man in fantasy football, is 14% owned. Why doesn't anyone like Chris Herndon? Uh, well, honestly, uh, Herndon is kind of an ugly-sounding last name. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not you, you know whimsical in the holiday spirit like Kyle Rudolph, uh, and it's not reminiscent of a fantasy food thing like Vance McDonald. Um, wow. I, don't, I don't know. I just that's a good one. I, I, I'm digging in deep for this analogy here. I, I just don't know. Like the Jets' offense has been pretty bad all season long. Um, they're in the AFC East too, which seems to have perpetually bad offenses, save for the Patriots. I just think that there's probably guilty by association as opposed to anything else. I mean, Chris Herndon is tight end 14 on the season, fantasy standard. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. He's got four touchdowns. I mean, he's going to finish the season. You know, he's not great. But he's one of those guys, every, like everybody, everybody, I say that too much. Um, a few weeks ago, people were falling all over themselves to pick up C.J. Ozoma. And 
when we say we sit here and go, hey, Herndon's only 15% owned, his ownership level doesn't change. Like I, I don't get that. Well, we don't have enough listeners. That's the problem, first and foremost. We really need to have more of an influence than we currently do. Right. Which is which is what we're taking care of today. That's where we're gonna get all boosted up after my ranting about Deshaun Hamilton. Um, yeah, uh, we're I, submitting that to the Fantasy Sports Trade Association. By the way, your rant about Deshaun Hamilton. <laughs> Perfect. I could finally have a chance to win an award. Yeah, that's what I've been looking for for my entire career. Uh, yeah. No, I. I don't know. Like Herndon's fourteen. I bet you Antonio Gates is like top twenty-five, and he's played in what four games? It feels like. So I just don't like. There's the tight end position. If you are, if you don't have Zach Ertz, if you don't have. Eric Ebron, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, has been pretty blah all season. Well, I should say George Kittle is included in that conversation too. So those four. But after that, it's kind of like, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, all right, what, I'll start somebody this week because I have to. Um, and I think Herndon probably fits into that conversation pretty nicely. It's fine. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's pretty solid. And in bye weeks, people should have been starting him all, you know, all the time. I don't know. That's my Chris Herndon rant. Uh, you want to do DFS values? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got some interesting things, folks. Look, if you want to, I mean, based on what you said, and, and as I'm pulling up the the value report, we're going to do FanDuel first. And, you know, we're going to touch on this. And I know we have a DFS podcast. So you should check that out as well. Those guys dig a lot deeper than we're going to in this. But, I mean, if you're on FanDuel and you see Rod Smith for 4500 are you jumping on that? Based on what you said earlier, I think you are. I think I would consider it. I think it's not a bad tournament lineup. Here's the problem, though, when it comes to Week 17 DFS, is that there's going to be so many value plays that you could you could slot your whole lineup in values. Like th- at some point, you're going to have to pay up for some spots. Right. And I think I would rather pay up for at least one running back, if not two, and then one receiver, as opposed to paying up for two or three receivers. Because I actually, you look at the top of the board, like the Julio Jones and Mike Evans, great, they're healthy, but. Michael Thomas, we don't know what's going to happen. Amari Cooper, we don't know what's going to happen. Some of these other receivers that you would say, hey, this is a great matchup, they could very well get pulled out, and you're not going to have to be able to rely on them. And after that, it's kind of a crapshoot for those 7,000 to 5,000 receivers. And I know there's a lot in that category, but I don't feel great about it. Whereas we talked about earlier at the top of the broadcast, Saquon Barkley is going to get 200 yards total, like potential. <laughs> I, I feel I feel really good about that. Yeah. And I feel really good that I can probably find some cheap quarterback too, that if I want to go for a second high running back, I probably could too. So that's where you have to pay up at some point and you have to kind of pick and choose. But I really feel the running back spots where I feel at least safer in the floor that I can get, I'm going to get as opposed to the wide receiver spot. I mean, looking at, uh, we're looking at running back on FanDuel. So Saquon's 8,500. The three guys more expensive than him are Gurley, might not play. McCaffrey might play part-time. Zeke might not play. Then below, Kamara might not play. Gordon, yeah, we're not sure how much he's going to play. Connor, okay, fine. But we said, it, Lindsay's, you know, it's, it, who's out? It's, I mean, Saquon just jumps out at you. As if you're going to pay for a running back, he's the guy you sort of almost have to do. Thing is, everybody else is going to do the same thing. Exactly. And so. and the other guy that I would say is almost an automatic guarantee in the seven thousand and up range, Derrick Henry. Although I don't know what slates Fanduel is going to have because that's of course the Sunday night game. Right. But I really believe that if the Titans have any hope at winning, they have to give him at least thirty to thirty-five touches. All right. So looking at those running backs that we talked about, let's stay on that topic. Royce Freeman's forty-seven hundred on Fanduel. That's pretty good. Because we think, even though we, we do have to worry about Devontae Booker, Freeman's 4,700. I mean, 
if you want to get, I mean, you talked about Jeff Wilson. Well, you know, he's fifty eight hundred, so he's not cheap, cheap. Um, it's CJ Anderson. Like if you're if you're if you're paying down, CJ Anderson is going to be the direction you want to go at sixty two hundred. I think first and foremost, over Royce Freeman, who's fifteen hundred dollars cheaper. Yep, I'll I'll take CJ Anderson and the slight uptick in price. And at sixty two hundred, you're still you're fine. Like there's there's no real concerns about that. I'll take CJ Anderson and Jeff Wilson over Royce Freeman. And I still think Freeman's going to do well, but I feel very confident in knowing what I'm going to get from Anderson and Wilson in terms of a floor. And the ceiling is still there, at least and certainly for Anderson, but I think Wilson and two. All right, so you get CJ Anderson at 6,200. The next thing I want to ask you about is $200 more than him. And he is playing against the most, I mean, basically, if you want to start a running back in fantasy football, you want to start him against the Cardinals. However, Jeff Erickson has Chris Carson RB1 this week, ahead of Saquon Barkley. However, it, it's, it's a smash spot. It's the perfect script. It Everything points to him, except do the Seahawks go all out for the entire game? Exactly. Exactly. You have, you have just spelled out, I think, the number one conundrum in daily fantasy in week 17. Other than all the injuries going on, I understand that that's going to be the, probably the first and foremost question. What you want to do with the Seahawks' backfield is going to be really interesting uh, as far as lineup goes. I think Chris Carson makes a lot of sense for cash games. I wouldn't go that direction, though, in a tournament setting. I think it's Barkley. I think I would definitely go C.J. Anderson. And then I, if I had to do a flex at the third spot, I, I don't know if I would be going with Chris Carson. I, I just I understand how bad that Cardinals defense has been, and Carson has really come on as of late. But I don't know if that's the safest choice. And maybe that's not what I should be looking for when I'm doing a cash game lineup. But oftentimes I'm looking for a safer choice, especially in week 17 when there's so many different options. I just don't think that's the direction I want to look at right now. All right. Quarterbacks. I mean, value wise, it's fine. I always joke around. I hate the, the way our value uh, report works because of the FanDuel pricing. I just, you know, I look at the top of the value and I go, oh, Patrick Mahomes. Like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think this doesn't help me. Um, you know what they got up? You know what they got up near the top of the value? Matthew Stafford at sixty five hundred. I'm not buying that at all. Oh, why not? Because <sighs> he's been terrible, I, and it, it's his weapons. I get it. I'm not blaming him, but he's done nothing all year. Nothing. Yeah, he's not the first quarterback I'd look at this week, but I don't. I don't feel like I need to stray away from him. I, I, I feel really good about that. Um, Kenny Galladay will absolutely be in my DFS lineup if he's healthy. Um, cause they, they, again, this has been true since like 2010 Packers have no idea how to cover a small running back or a tall wide receiver. And that, that will be consistent until the end of time, I think. And Kenny Galladay fits under that tall receiver category. If he's active, I really feel good about playing him. Stafford's going to get two touchdowns. Okay. I, like that's, he's, he's going to get two touchdowns. I guarantee that. Um, and it's just a matter of who he's throwing them to, whether it ends up being Riddick or if Zenner stumbles into the end zone somehow, uh, TJ Jones might score. I don't know. Like it's, I feel good that he's going to get two touchdowns. I, I actually don't think he's the best of the 6,500 value quarterbacks. So like, I really feel good about Nick Mullins who's 6,700. I, I, I feel great about that. Somehow Teddy Bridgewater is $600 more than Nick Mullins. That's ridiculous to me. Like give me Nick Mullins a hundred percent of the time over Teddy Bridgewater. If we're going to be debating between two lower priced quarterbacks. What about Derek Carr at 6,800 compared to those guys? Yes, yes, yes. And yes, like I'll take Derek Carr 
and Nick Mullins over Matthew Stafford. I'll take both of them over Teddy Bridgewater too. Like that, I feel I feel really good that Derek Carr is going to do well against the Chiefs defense that has not done well all season long. Okay, let's go to wide receiver on FanDuel. I mean, the value meter stuff does not scream. I mean, there's a bunch of big name guys up near the top. By the way, we didn't mention earlier one guy on the injury list because like, he was a late addition. Devonta Adams. Is he going to play? I mean, they're saying they're not going to they're not going to know until tomorrow. Yeah, I think he's going to play because they're going to try to get him the the receptions record, and then after that he'll be pulled out. So I think it's only four or five that they need to give until he breaks that, and then I could see him being done for the rest of the game because he's he's been a trooper all season long and really been one of the lone bright spots for the Packers. Uh, I, I don't think he really needs to prove any more this season. All right, so of the guys up near the top, the big name guys, Mike Evans is cheaper than the rest. He's not cheaper than Thielen and Diggs. But they're playing the Bears. But he's 7,300, where Tyreek's 78, Keenan 76, Juju 79, Julio 86. So, um, what about Jordy Nelson? Jordy Nelson, I mean, catches like six or eight passes every week. He's only 5,200. Yeah, that's, that's not and, a bad option. And if we like Cannot... Carr, then we almost have to like Jordy to a point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's got to throw to somebody. Um, why not do that? You're, no, you're right. I, I guess I don't. Like, I actually kind of like DeAndre Carter for the similar price. Um, and I, I think the Texans are going to have to be throwing the ball to move it. I don't think they're going to be able to do it running the ball. And DeAndre Hopkins, great, cool. Uh, that's a pretty known commodity. But I, I think Carter has flashed at times when I've been watching the games. Like, oh, who's that player? Oh, it's DeAndre Carter. I think I've said that three or four times watching Texans games before. And I, I could see him being. But you're right. No, if we like Carter, and I do. I think Jordy Nelson makes a lot of sense to use as a cheaper alternative for the receiver position. Okay. And Jordy, just so you, just to reiterate here, Jordy is fifty two hundred on FanDuel, which I think I said uh, tight end. We mentioned Evan Engram earlier. He is fifty nine hundred, and he projects as a probably as a top five tight end this week. So yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, I, doubling back to the receiver real quick, Kendrick Bourne at forty nine hundred. Again, I, I really like Nick Mullins. I think Bourne's going to make a lot of sense too on FanDuel as a receiver option. But to Evan Ingram last week, he was already like an automatic start. I have no idea how he's just only slowly transitioned upward in terms of price. I think he's, he's certainly going to be a top five option, but Hey, your boy, Chris Herndon, 5,800 on yep. FanDuel's tight end spot. I'd rather have, I, I'd rather have Ingram than, than Chris Herndon. Yes. This I, week. I think all of America would too. I agree with you. Yep. I mean, and the, the price is pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. DraftKings. Now the pricing's different, so it's a little more fun. Like I said, nothing against FanDuel. It's just that the way the pricing works, the value meter, it, it, the value discussion gets more interesting because you can find some cheap guys. Um, so Mahomes is at the top again. Matt Ryan at Tampa at 6,300 is not too shabby. If you were going to pay for a quarterback... I think that's the direction I would go. Like, if you're going to pay up for a quarterback, that's the direction I would go over a guy like Aaron Rodgers, over a guy like Philip Rivers. I feel pretty good uh, about Matt Ryan being able to get that that value that you're looking for from that quarterback position. Okay, Eli at 4,900. Eh, nah, still no. Uh, Derek Carr 5,100. That's pretty solid based on the discussion we had already. Yes, yes. And I actually kind of like jo- Josh Johnson at this price tag, too, at 4800 Uh I don't know. Like it, We talked about the Eagles' defense and just how bad they have been in the secondary. I know Adrian Peterson's going to do all right, but I was actually quietly impressed 
Saturday with what Josh Johnson was capable of doing in the pocket. And we know he can kind of run around a little bit too. So that's not a bad option if you really want to pay down. But Nick Mullins is at 4700 And I'm in no universe am I going to take Josh Johnson over Nick Mullins in terms of DFS this week. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Mullins over that in any situation. All right. Let's go to the DraftKings running backs. Royce Freeman at 3500 is a is an absolute no-brainer. I mean, yeah. For cash, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'd probably go that direction. I, I don't want to say – I feel really uncomfortable saying no-brainers at any point in Week 17 just just, just because right. there's so many different things that could happen or to, could get announced in between now and Sunday where I don't know if that screams no-brainer to me necessarily. But, yeah, you're right. At 3500 it's tough to argue that price and what we anticipate for the amount of touches he's going to get. All right. Uh, Jamal Williams at 6,000 is solid. I know he's playing against the Lions who have been better lately, but, you know, he's he's on the field all the time, gets the ball a lot. Um, Gus Edwards is kind of cheap. Gus Edwards is 4,400. I know he doesn't catch the ball, but, I mean, you know, he, he's going to get the ball between 50, close to 20 times. And, and if they score a touchdown, he's got a decent chance to get it. So are, are you are you good with uh, with him? Um. I don't know if I'd go that direction necessarily. Like, I actually like Elijah McGuire, who is a thousand more than that, more than Gus Edwards in that situation, uh, which it sounds weird, but I actually think that the Jets' offense will be able to move the ball. Not not exactly effectively, because again, we talked about how much it didn't care for Sam Darnold, but I think they'll be able to move the ball enough where McGuire, McGuire would probably have better value than uh, Gus Edwards. All right, two other ones. Josh Adams on the Eagles, if you think he returns to be the lead back. He's 3,700 at Washington. And our value meter has elevated Dwayne Washington on the Saints. We talked about him earlier as maybe the last man standing in the Saints' backfield. He is 3,000. He's literally listed fifth on our value meter for DraftKings behind Freeman, Wilson, Drake, and Josh Adams. Makes a lot of sense, too, if those guys are out like we kind of anticipate they are going to be out. You talked about wide receiver DraftKings, DeAndre Carter, 3,600. You talked about him earlier. Uh, Chris Hogan, who we also talked about, is also 3,600. So there, there's some wide receivers down here that you can save on. Um, I mean, you can go Trent Sherfield on Arizona for 32. I don't know if I'd go that direction, to be honest with you. Uh, and James, Jameson Crawford or uh, Crowder is going to be 4,800 too, which yeah, I like a lot. Not bad. Um, finally, the tight ends. We are back. Herndon, once again, 3,400, very cheap. Uh, Ian Thomas, 3,300, very cheap. Again, you know, that conversation we had, does he check down to McCaffrey or Thomas? I wonder if McCaffrey's on the field as much as he usually is. Um, Gerald Everett's been actually catching the ball lately. He's only 2,800. So Yeah, I think I think you're going to be able to get enough price savings, whether it is a quarterback, running back, or receiver, that paying up for Kelsey or Ertz makes a little bit too much sense this week. Yep. All right. Um, that's it. If you have any questions for us, um, like I said, if, if you want DFS – in further detail, listen to our DFS podcast uh, with, I think, was it Derek and Scott Jenstad today? Um, if you have questions for us, Joe is at JB Fantasy Sports. I'm at Hoppin 37 Our main account is at Rotoar. What else you got going on? Uh, not too much. Just wrapping up the NFL season. And uh, I, I think I'll be helping out more with NBA podcasts as we progress throughout the year. Um, and certainly with a bit more free time now as the NFL is winding down, it'll be NBA podcast stuff for me. So that's kind of what I have on docket next. All right, see, um, folks, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. You know, we went an hour today. I think it's because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want the season to end. 
<laughs> well, it was because I was ranting. That, that's all my fault. I'll, I'll take that. And I had to add the, the three-minute quip about Deshaun Hamilton and how he ruined my life. <laughs> that's like your Academy Award clip right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Joe, it's been fun. The times we did this this year, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for, thanks for including me and making it so easy. All right, everybody, if you like this podcast, as we always ask, please leave reviews and ratings. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Road Ride Fantasy Football Podcast. And like I said earlier, this is the final episode of the season for me and, and for our football. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hear from you a lot on Twitter. Um, and you know, I, and you leave ratings and things like that. I, I really appreciate everybody listening this year and, and I love doing this and, um, you know, I, I look forward to getting back to it at sometime in the summer when we start talking about training camp and previews and all that. So again, thank you so much for listening for Joe Bartle. I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week 17. And thank you again for listening to the Rotowire fantasy football podcast.